Hi, my name is John Gray, and I am the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. We are back for another edition of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is episode 603 of the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, TV and movie DVD releases, and our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, we have director, producer, creator of Ghost Whisperer, John Gray, joining us. And uh, John has expanded out into writing novels, and we're going to talk about his new book that's out called The Desecrated. And uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, Ghost Whisperer and uh, Martin and Lewis, the different movies he's done over the years and everything. And it's going to be a lot of fun, so get ready for that. Also, we're going to look into remakes and, of course, upcoming new movies and sequels and the whole whole thing. You know, we're back at that again. Once again, and uh, we are in our summer uh, time mode, so we don't have as many episodes coming out as we were for a while there, and and, and we definitely don't have the episodes we were coming out with before, where you know we were having like two or three a week. That's <laughs> that's uh, you know that happens time you know time and again, but uh, not all the time. But we are going to be giving you uh, some more episodes of On Screen and Beyond. So uh, as the summer goes through, we'll be having them sporadically around. You know, that's, that's about what we're going to do because I want some time off too. So uh, we're going to have some some fun right now with John Gray coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. So uh, also, if you are, you know, uh, going back and looking at all our, our past catalog, and of course, there's over 600 episodes that you can listen to. If you have not listened or check those out, go to uh, your podcast uh, provider, whatever it is, if you're, you know, you're getting it on Apple or Amazon or Podbeam or wherever you're getting it. Just look at all the episodes we've had. I, I, I just tell you that there are people there that you are going to be amazed that uh, they you know that they're going to tell their stories here on on screen and beyond and uh, be sure to check those out uh, everything from bob barker uh we had napoleon solo on <laughs> the original and uh just just so many other people and it's a, it's uh just so much fun listening to those things and finding out what those people were doing and uh, check them out at uh, there on screen to beyond com. Also there we are doing some, uh, you know, fixing things up and getting things going on there. So uh, that's still not work- quite working like it should. And we'll figure out what we're going to do with that uh, shortly. So uh, but but just go to your podcast providers and you can catch up on all the episodes. So what do you say? Let's get into it. Let's get into Remake Madness on On Screen and Beyond. Remake Madness. Well, uh, this one isn't a true remake, but it will give you a Groundhog Day vibe. Netflix has a movie comedy coming out in 2023, and it's called One More Time. And it's about a woman who is hit by a bus and goes back to her 18th birthday and keeps waking up on that same day and living it over and over. Sounds like Groundhog Day to me, but, you know. Anyways, and uh, the next James Bond film, well, 
it's going to be a, quote, reinvention, and it's about two years away, and that's according to producer Barbara Bacroli, and uh, they just don't know what they're going to do with it quite yet, so uh, we'll see what happens with that. Anyways, that's it for Remake Madness, coming up next on On Screen or Beyond, upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies, Academy Award winners Julia Roberts and George Clooney will join forces once again in a romantic comedy on October 21st in theaters called Ticket to Paradise. August 12th, you can look for Jeffrey Dean Morgan in Fall, and it's a thriller. And with the passing of actor James Caan, his last movie, Fast Charlie, opposite Pierce Brosnan, will be released in early 2023. The film is being labeled as a hitman thriller. And that's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, sequels. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sequels. It looks like Lady Gaga is rumored to be in talks to play Harley Quinn in the sequel to The Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. And it looks like Dune Part 2's release date has been moved from October of 2023 to November of 2023. And James Cameron, he's moving, you know, changing things here. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, He says that he's going to hand over the director job to another director for the Avatar sequels. Or maybe he won't. Uh, We'll see. That's what they're saying right now. And that's it for sequels. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, TV on DVD. TV on DVD, September 20th, Season 2 of The Equalizer arrives on DVD. And Lucifer, the sixth and final season, lands on DVD and Blu-ray on September 13th, as well as the complete series box set. And on September 6th, NCIS Hawaii Season 1 comes to DVD. September 13th, Magnum P.I. Season 4 hits DVD. And also on September 13th, SEAL Team Season 5 arrives. And that's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD? (laughs) Movies on DVD, I Know What You Did Last Summer gets a 4K Ultra HD release on September 27th for its 25th anniversary, and Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula celebrates its 30th anniversary on October 4th with a 4K Ultra HD release, and July 19th, the Bob's Burger movie comes to Blu-ray and DVD. And that's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time, well, it looks like Carol Burnett will guest star on Better Call Saul as it finishes up its series. And sadly, Greg Itzen, who played the president on 24, has died at the age of 74. And as I mentioned earlier, James Kahn has passed away. He passed away last week at the age of 82. 
And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, he's a writer, a director, a producer, creator of The Ghost Whisperer, has a new book out called The Desecrated. It's John Gray coming up next right here on On Screen and Beyond. guest today on On Screen and Beyond is a writer, a director, a producer, and now a novelist. He has directed such movies and TV shows as Grimm, Helter Skelter, Martin and Lewis, and he was the creator of Ghost Whisperer. His debut novel, The Desecrated, is available and is a real page-turner, I have to tell you that. It's John Gray. John, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. Now, John... I'm one of these people who uh, I read very slowly. Uh, I, I, I want to, you know, it's like a person who who eats slow and they want to savor every single taste that's coming through. And, and, and I found it the same way reading your book. Uh, it, it was just something that gripped me. But I, I got to tell you, you're killing me because, you know, usually when I read, I read, you know, when I go to bed and I'm going to read just for, you know, a half hour or something like that. But before I know it, it's it's two, three in the morning, you know? <laughs> and, <laughs> and and you know you, you, you can't do this to me. I need my rest. <laughs> <laughs> my job is to deprive you of as much sleep as I possibly can. Well, you do in several ways in this book. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it, it really de- the desecrated uh, is is just a book that you know it, it grabs a hold of you and you you don't want to put it down especially you know just reading the prologue is enough to, <laughs> to, to you know to really get you good well the, you know, the prologue really uh, lays a lot of groundwork for what happens later in the novel and um, the whole kind of body snatching subplot uh, plays very heavily uh, you know, in, as, as you know in the in the novel itself. So it's a good way, I think, to, uh, and a fun way to sort of do a foreshadowing and kind of lay the groundwork for what's ahead. Now, so our listeners know what we're talking about here because <laughs> obviously they haven't had the opportunity to to read this. Uh, but, um, you know, give us a little background. What is De- The Desecrated about? Well, it's, it's really, it's about a... Um, a young woman who is trying to sort out her life. She's had some very difficult uh, blows. Um, she was a very promising pre-med student, uh, looking forward to becoming a doctor. And then her father became seriously ill, mentally ill, and she really had to leave school and take care of him. And then he died, and basically with him went the tuition for school. So she's at a point in her life, she's very young, she's only 20, um, but she's at a point in her life now where she has to completely refigure her future. And she takes a job as a, uh, a night forensic assistant in the New York City morgue. And in that capacity, she loves that job because it's, it's quiet. She works at night. There's not much going on at night. Uh, she doesn't mind being around the dead. Um, and it's giving her a chance to sort of regroup and figure out what she wants to do and to grieve. And it all gets upended when this sort of heartthrob 
movie star, this English action movie star named Trevor Price, gets sentenced to community service at the morgue. And his presence there at the morgue, aside from causing all kinds of problems between Jennifer and Shelby, the character's name, uh, between the two of them, because he's just this kind of very irreverent guy, doesn't care about rules, doesn't care about, he just wants to have fun. Uh, he's, he's a very funny, very witty guy, as is Jennifer. Uh, and so there's a lot of sparks and explosions between it, the two of them, their relationship, but his presence in the morgue seems to bring on a series of really scary hauntings that are unexplainable and escalate. Uh, and they sort of escalate with, with the level of his bad behavior. And ultimately, they discover that there's this kind of ancient curse on the morgue, and they have to together unravel this, this curse, uh, and, and ultimately will, will fall to Jennifer to, to save the day, as it were. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> it, and and uh, like I say, it is, it, it's, it's just a book you don't want to put down. It's, 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 you know, but like I say, I need rest. I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but... Now, John, how does this work? I mean, you know, with your career, your background, you're in TVs and movies and all that thing. You're creating uh, shows, you're directing shows, you're producing shows. Uh, what made you decide to do a novel? Well, you know, probably like everybody at one point in their lives or another, you know, you think about, I'd love to try my hand at that. We'd love to see if I could do that. Um, and you know, it's a very different discipline, as you can imagine, from screenwriting, uh, where you know, when you're writing a television script or a feature script, uh, it's really all about economy and trying to get your story across in uh, the most economic, spare way you know, possible. You're constantly conscious of the running time and what the, what the restrictions are, limits are. But with a novel, you have a chance to you take little detours to go down a character's back alley and, and explore some backstory with this character, something that is really important to the character and shine a light on who the character is, but who you most likely wouldn't have time to do uh, in a script uh, or, or a television movie. So uh, it, it struck me as something that could be very freeing, and um, uh, I really did find that. I love the idea of being able to explore these characters um, go into their backstories, their histories, without any worry about, okay, I've got to wrap this up in 13 minutes. Mm, <laughs> so, yeah. uh, it's just really fun. And I also really love horror. I love watching horror. I love reading horror. And so, uh, and I'm more attracted to kind of like gothic horror as opposed to, you know, slasher or, or you know, bloody yeah. horror. Um, psychological horror, I guess. And so uh, this was a chance to, to kind of indulge all my, my things about, you know, gothic horror and here's the thing that could be in a morgue and there's a cemetery and there's this, this evil plot behind it all. And, uh, so, and, you know, set in New York, of course, where I live and, and you know, a place I love. Um, so it, it just, it's something that I always wanted to do. And when the pandemic came along, um, you know, in, in, the, in March of 2020, uh, I realized that if I don't take this opportunity now when I can't do anything else, you know, everything is shut down in production, everything is quiet, um, this is the time to do it. And so I, I did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and one thing I enjoyed about the book is that uh, uh, 
for example, uh, Stephen King novels. Um, I, I find when I, uh, I read one of his books, they're very descriptive. Like you say, you can take time so you can get to know the characters. And I remember one of his books, there's a guy blowing his nose and, you know, he, he sort of looks at it, you know, <laughs> and the, I mean, things that pe- people do, you know, normal stuff, but yeah. you, you know, and, and I found your book to be similar in the style as far as, you know, getting to know the characters, um, you know, for example, the, the very beginning on the pro- prologue part, um, I, I, I got to feel that I knew those two characters, uh, you know, as they're walking through the the rain and everything, and and it's very descriptive of how you do that, and I love that when I hear when I get a book like that. It's it's it's. Uh, oh great! It, it's, yeah, you know, I I feel like no matter what size you know the, the character is, you know, uh, however much room they occupy in the book, you know, they deserve to have as full a life as possible, and. Um, you know, if, if, for example, in that prologue, I'm so glad that you say that because that, that was my goal, of course, is to make you feel like you, you know who these guys are. Mm-hmm. You get that they're quirky, they're kind of funny, they're they're evil. <laughs> but, you know, within a few pages, hopefully you really get a sense of who they are. And even though we'll never see them again in the novel, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's still important to make that imprint on the reader. Like, okay, uh, the people I, I read about in this novel are, are going to come to life. And and be people I can relate to. So I just feel like it's important no matter who the character is to try to uh, develop as much personality and, and history about them as, as you can. Yeah. Now you had a short, didn't you call the desecrated? I did. I, I, um, I had this idea originally uh, to do as a feature film. And so I enlisted uh, some of my, my colleagues and we made uh, like a seven minute proof of concept. Mm-hmm. Um, for the feature film, uh, which um, uh, basically we took a, a sample scene that we thought was pretty scary, and, and we just you know, we, we made the movie with, with that using that scene, mm-hmm. uh, and we're, we're still trying to get that movie made. I hope uh, we do because but, <laughs> it would be great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, and uh, now we're using that 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 proof of concept video as a uh, as a promotional element for the book you know, it's going to be on the amazon page and uh and, and the funny thing about this even though it was a proof of concept for a potential movie uh, we had such a good reaction to it when people saw it that we decided to treat it like a standalone short film and we entered it into film festivals and it's you know it's been a few years now but it's, it's played all over the world it's won I mean, numerous awards um, audiences really seem to respond to this little piece of film, and they're, they're scared by it. Uh, so it's been very rewarding and satisfying, and, and it, it's had sort of a life of its own beyond what we intended for it. <laughs> just mm-hmm. to, it was something we just maybe some producers would watch, and some financiers would watch, but now it's kind of developed this life uh, outside of all that, which has just been great fun. Yeah, yeah. Now, what inspired you to? to do this, you know, I mean, usually, a, a you know, a movie comes out and they make a book on it, you know, but you, right, right. I mean, I mean, the, the book comes out, then they the make opposite, a movie yeah. of it, and, and you're doing yeah. the opposite. <laughs> yes, it, it's kind of crazy, but, you know, it was part of the fact of, of um, I, lo- I love these characters so much, and, and we had written, I had written a script 
um, for the feature version of the feature film version of this. And uh, I started thinking about how much I really love these characters and I want to delve deeper uh, and, 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 and add new characters that, that we couldn't fit into the script. And there's, there's a lot of new characters in the novel that, that were not in the original uh, uh, script. And also, Brian, you know, the, the reason I, I even got this idea in the first place is kind of funny because back in, I think it was like 2015, you may remember hearing about this, but Lindsay Lohan uh, was sentenced to community service at the L.A. County Morgue. And I remember reading about that and thinking, that's crazy. Like, you know, what was the idea behind that? Who, whose idea was that? Right. You know? uh, and I started to think about well, what, what would that be like for her to suddenly be in contact with these kind of regular people who work at the morgue and becoming in contact probably with bodies and things like that. And that's what really got me started on this idea. And then ultimately I turned it on its head. And, and instead of a female movie star, I made it a male kind of action you know, macho English star, uh, so that I could make the uh, the female character, um, the person who worked in the morgue and who was struggling with her own inner demons. But it's kind of funny that, that that's you know, that's where it kind of started in this real life, very unlikely situation. Hmm. Wow, it's, it's, it just fascinates fascinates me to hear how people come up with their ideas, you know, for books <laughs> yeah. or TV shows or, you know, like you did the ghost whisper, you created that. And it, it's, yeah. it's really, really interesting to hear that. Well, great. Yeah. Ghost whisper was uh, another one where uh, I had never done a television series. I, I was doing movies and very happy doing movies. And I really, I just kind of always shied away from series because I thought, no, oh, no, it's the same characters every week. It's the same locations basically. And, I don't know, that might be boring, I don't know. But the network, I, I had a lot of work for CBS uh, in the movie space, and uh, um, an executive there said to me, you know, you really should meet this woman who claims that she can see ghosts who have not crossed over, ghosts who are earthbound. And, um, and apparently this executive had gotten this woman to come out to L.A. to clear her house of ghosts. <laughs> and she said... I, just, I think there's a series here. You really should meet her. And so um, I, I did. I, I was in L.A. and I met with her. Uh, and she actually, this woman, Marianne, her name is Marianne Winkowski, and she lives in Cleveland. Uh, um, but uh, she had come to L.A. to clear this house. And I sat and met with her. And it was so interesting because I was expecting you know, to see this kind of, I don't know, maybe some exotic-looking person, you know, who this person's in touch with the beyond, you know. But I go into the Starbucks, and instead, there's this just normal-looking, salt-of-the-earth, Midwestern woman, just, uh, you know, jovial and fun. And she's with her husband, who was an ex-Marine. He had a buzz cut, you know, tattoos. Hmm. And we sat there, and, you know, for her, this was just her life. She, she can just see ghosts, and that's how it goes. And she, she knows how to get them to cross over. And so I was kind of fascinated by this, and I asked her, in the Starbucks, I said, so, so you, you just see ghosts all the time. It's just, like every, yeah, there's pretty much everywhere I go. I'm just used to it. And she goes, oftentimes I try not to let them know that I see them. Otherwise, they bother me and they want things from me. And, and I said, well, how about right now in the Starbucks? And she says, yeah, there's, there's three ghosts you know, that I'm looking at right now. And she showed me there's a guy sitting there working on his laptop. And she, you know, there's an older woman standing over his shoulder. It's probably his mother. And she looks very disappointed. And she, she went on to describe all the ghosts that were in this Starbucks. 
And by, by the way, that scene is in the pilot mm. of the show. And so I was really fascinated with that idea because, as, as I said, I, I love horror. And I also love character-driven drama. And so I felt like here's a way to really meld those two passions uh, because you're dealing with a world where um, you, know, you can deal with redemption and closure and, and people trying to come to terms with death. Uh, and there's also room for humor. It, it just struck me suddenly that there's so many ways to, to go with the show. And I got sort of excited about it. And, and I said to the executive, you know, I, I'd love to you know, go a little further with this. And you know, we never really thought it would become uh, you know, a long-running show and be as popular as it was. And, and I, you know, I think also, Brian, what, what, what had helped also, I shouldn't say help, but what had to do with the success is that this wasn't too long after 9-11, about five years after 9-11. And I think that people were looking for a hope, you know, looking for something to believe in, something that, that is bigger than us, mm-hmm. um, that there's hope out there. And so I think that that Ghost Whisperer sort of tapped into that a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I think it's one of the reasons why you know, it did so well. Yeah. Well, you said, you know, she was just a normal, average, everyday-looking person. And, uh, you know, the only yeah. thing is Jennifer Love Hewitt is not just an average, normal-looking <laughs> person. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, you, you, uh, once, you, once you go into the, into, into the show business, then it's uh, – you suddenly become a much more attractive person. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but even like her, Jennifer, you know, the way we wrote her character was that she was just this kind of, you know, young woman starting right. out in her life, about to get married and trying to cope with this. Is it a gift or is it a curse? You know, is it ever okay not to help uh, a dead person? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, you know, we tried to deal with all that in the show and, uh, which we, our, our attitude to the show was that we were making a little horror movie every week that would ultimately become a more emotional drama. Right. You know, you, you'd sort of forget about the horror and become more involved with the characters. And it was great fun. We had such, I missed that show. We had such a, such a blast doing that show. Yeah. Now, it, compared that, uh, you know, that TV show or any, or any of the movies or TV shows that you've done, and you've got the network, the executives, the you know, the everybody else standing over you. I'm sure, adding their two cents and everything. And with the book, I presume that it was whatever was in your mind, and no one's telling you don't do this, do that, do this. Is that accurate? And did you find that more freeing than doing a show? Yes, um, you know, you definitely appreciate the idea that you're not having to justify or defend everything that you write. And there are moments in television or film when you come up with an idea that you think is fantastic um, and you want to execute that idea and everybody around you is excited about it. Um, but then you get the call from the network and, well, wait a minute, we don't like this idea. Uh, and now you've got to defend it and fight for it. And sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Uh, but it's it's exhausting and draining and difficult. And that was one of the things I loved about you know, the novel process is that it, it there's no mother may I. Um, you just sort of, and it's also daunting because <laughs> you can't blame anybody. Right. You know, if it doesn't come out well. Oh, those damn executives, they ruined it. You know. <laughs> but also, I, I, and the one thing I did learn from having you know notes and years and years of executives and 
and, and uh, you know, studios and, and networks. But uh, you know, a lot of good stuff comes from that. Um, it's fashionable to make fun of it and you know rail against it. But the reality is, a lot of the executives are smart. They know what works for their audiences, uh, and they a lot of them not not all of them, but many of them uh, know storytelling really well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there, I, I actually got a lot of benefit from, from notes in my career, I have to admit. It's painful it is to admit that. And so with the novel, you know, I think it, it was important for me to not abuse this freedom. Um, so I, you know, I, I had people I trusted read it. I hired editors to read it for me and give me, you know, just honest, brutal feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife, Melissa Peltier, who was just a genius and... and so smart with story, um, you know, she read drafts and, and gave you great criticisms and great. So you, know, you can never take the, uh, the attitude of like, okay, no one can stop me now. So I'm just going to write whatever I want because ultimately everybody needs some sort of editing. You, know, you just, yeah. you just do. And I'm very grateful for the help I got on this novel, uh, you know, on so many levels like that. Was uh, getting into the the movie business or TV business uh, always what you wanted to do when you were young? It was. I, I was very, uh, I mean, young, like eight or nine, ten years old. You know? Right. Yeah. And I, I I used to think that it was the actors who did it all, um, and so I wanted to be an actor. I just thought they get up there and they just made up the words and they did it and everything. <laughs> uh, but as I tried to learn more about it and I started making little movies with I have an uncle let me use camera and I started to realize that there's a consciousness behind the camera that's actually telling the story and the actors are crucial but the actor is part of the package that this consciousness is, is working with so I got less interested in acting which I think is probably a good thing for the world and more interested in writing and directing and, and you know, telling stories from that, that point of view. And, you know, I grew up in Brooklyn, uh, working-class neighborhood. My father was an iron worker. Um, so, you know, I had no real in, no way to actually do it. So, in a way, that ignorance was bliss because I just thought, okay, somehow I'm going to make movies. I'm going to go to Hollywood and I'm going to make movies and I'm going to do this with my life. And I just had no clue how difficult it would be. And I think if someone had said to me then, okay, pal, you know, you're looking at 10 or 15 years of starving before you can even make a living at it, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I would have been discouraged. Maybe I would have been frightened. You know? yeah. But in my mind, tomorrow was always going to be the big break. It's going to happen tomorrow. You know? mm-hmm. so I just kept plugging, yeah. kept making movies, kept writing scripts. Yeah. When you did the, the, the movie on um, Martin and Lewis, Jerry, Jerry mm. Lewis and, and Dean Martin. Um, yes. Was that daunting because they were, you know, real people to do? Yes. And, and, and not, I don't want, not just real people, real icons. I mean, they were, you know. They were, you know, but I feel like the secret in those kinds of biopics, um, to coin it, well, not to coin it, but use a phrase I don't love, but there it is. Um, you, you can't really approach it like you're telling the story of these icons. You have to approach it like you're telling the story of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, their relationship, ultimately it's a love story. It's about these two guys who love each other but can't really figure out how to express it. 
And so it's about these flawed characters, um, what they need, what they want, what they're willing to do to get it, uh, what they do when they do get it, what they do when they lose it. Um, and so these are all really dramatic uh, moments in, in anyone's life, whether you're famous or you're a plumber. Uh, and so to me, that was the key to that script. And I've done a few movies that are you know, based on real life people. And I always had that same attitude about it. It's just, it's, you can't hold them up on this pedestal because at the end of the day, they're human beings and they feel all the things we feel. Um, and and you know, I was lucky enough to have a great cast on that movie as well. That they really helped me, they helped me get over the finish line with that idea. Yeah. Did you ever have a chance to meet over your career, uh, Dean Martin or Jerry Lewis? Uh, well, Dean was he he had died pretty early on, but I did get to speak with Jerry. I never got to meet him, um, but uh, he he had we sent him the script to read. We were terrified to do it because the script was not kind to him. You know, it really, uh, the, the script was very, I think, honest, uh, based on all of our research about how Jerry behaved and things that he did and uh, things that were, you know, confirmed by many sources. Um, but he had contacted us and he was interested in reading the script. And just so we just thought, let's, you know, let's do it. And I was really terrified, but he loved the script. And it made me really admire him because it, to talk about warts and all. Um, you know, this, this movie does not spare Jerry or Dean. Um, and it also shows how brilliant they were in every way. But, um, it's, but he, he said, it, you know, it's honest. He said, I, I love it because it's honest and it's real. And he said, I think it's a great tribute to Dean uh, and to our relationship. You know? yeah. So, uh, um, sorry, my dog's going to bark if somebody's came to the door here. <laughs> sorry. No problem. <laughs> So anyway, and Jerry was wonderful. He, you know, he told me great stories, and uh, um, you know, he, he didn't ask for any changes. He didn't ask you know, anything to be softened. Or, uh, and, and in fact, when the movie was finished, we sent it to him, and he wrote a phenomenal review of the movie, which we really appreciated. It was really nice of him. Wow. Well, John, there's so many other things I could talk to you about because, I mean, I, I've enjoyed your career, your writing, your creativity yeah. uh, over the years, and I uh, you know, there's just so much we could go over, but I know we're limited. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, the good thing is, is that people can continue to see your creativity in the the, uh, the desecrated, which is out now, and people can get the book and enjoy it. Yes. But, yes. Uh, where can people get the book? Uh, well, if, of course, it's available on, on Amazon, um, either in print or or as an ebook, uh, Barnes and Noble. Um, pretty much any online outlet uh, that, that you would normally get books from uh, are, are going to carry them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, now, John, I want to finish up with one final question. And this takes a, us away from all of the things you've done over the years, the shows, the movies, and everything else, and your new book, The Desecrated. <laughs> get that in. Plug one more time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. But uh, uh, when you sit back and relax... When you're not writing, when you're not doing all these other shows and movies and everything, what do you enjoy? What's your favorite movies now and of the past? And what's your favorite TV shows now and of the past? Mm. Well, you... I'll try to answer that briefly because there's so much. You know, there's so um, you know, the, the movies and, and, and TV shows that we're streaming now are just mm. you know phenomenal. Um, we're we're watching now the old man. Yes, uh, that's good. <laughs> which is just 
Yeah, just you know, phenomenal. Uh, and um, I, you know, we have well, one of my indulgences, my guilty pleasures in life is that I have built myself a really great home theater in the basement of my house here in New York, mm-hmm. and it's got 7.1 sound, 85 inch screen, and my wife and I every night 9 p.m. we stop our work and we go downstairs and we have some popcorn and we watch whatever we're watching is a movie or a TV show. And that's the thing that really keeps us sane and, and keeps us connected. And we just look forward to that every day. Mm-hmm. And when we're traveling, we miss it. And we, we, oh, man, yeah. We can, we're not in our home theater. But that, that's, what we, you know, that's what we do. It's, it's, it's not much of a break from uh, you know, the, the, the film and TV business, I guess. But uh, uh, that's just very passionate. We're just very passionate about that. We love it. Yeah. When you were a kid, what, what did you enjoy for TV mm-hmm. shows? I used to love Batman, you know, the old Adam mm-hmm. West Batman. Yes. Yeah. Um, of course, I love the Three Stooges. Oh. Uh, I used to love F Troop because I'm dating myself now. Yeah, no, I, hey, I watched that. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> F Troop was awesome, you know. <laughs> I loved all those shows, and I loved reading. Uh, we used to have these horror comic books, sort of a precursor to graphic novels, uh, called Creepy. Um, another one was called Eerie. Uh, Tales from the Crypt. Yes. Um, these are all great uh, uh, comics that, that I just you know, would salivate for, for them to come out every month and and, and read. And, uh, and I used to love going to the movies in my neighborhood and seeing horror movies. I would go by myself if I had to, if no one else would go with me. And I just have the greatest memories of just sitting there and, and being scared and um, you know, just being taken away by this whole world um, outside my own. It's great. Yeah. Well, John, I, I cannot thank you enough for joining us and uh, sharing all these these things yeah, and memories. Pleasure. And uh, like I said, the desecrated people should be sure to check that out. And uh, I thank you for joining us. You bet. Thanks for having me, Brian. And a big thank you going out to John Gray for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. And of course, like I said, he was the creator of the Ghost Whisperer. And also, he has a new book out, The Desecrated. I've been reading it. It is a fantastic story, and it's just one that keeps you up reading longer than than you you wanted to, or not that you didn't want to, but, you know, when you want to get some sleep and everything. But uh, you should be sure to check that out. It's a great book. And, uh, you know, something to, while you're sitting, if you can do it during the day, you know, while you're sitting at the beach or something or whatever, uh, have, be able to read. Don't try to read it at night because it's just, you know, you're, you're going to end up staying up all night is what's going to happen. So anyways, be sure to check out The Desecrated. And uh, we also want to uh, thank you for joining us once again for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. And be sure to tell a friend. Let's get the word out about On Screen and Beyond and uh, be sure to vote for us. And, uh, you know, get us up there, leave a review. It helps us out uh, if you're on Apple or anything like that. And, uh, you know, it it, uh, just gets more people to know about On Screen and Beyond. And go back and listen to over 600 episodes of On Screen and Beyond. And you can hear uh, the stories directly from the people. And, uh, you know, sadly, many of the people who we've had uh, on the show have passed away. And uh, their, their legacy can be heard from them by listening to those episodes. And uh, also, of course, we have a lot of new actors that are coming out and, uh, and uh, different people and your favorite TV shows of the past, present, whatever. They're all there 
at On Screen and Beyond. If you go to Apple or Spotify or Amazon or just say, hey, Alexa, play On Screen and Beyond. And sure enough, it's going to play it. And you can go back and listen to all the episodes. And uh, we'd appreciate that. Helps us out. Gets us up in the ratings and everything. And gets more people to listen to us. Uh, So we appreciate that. But that's it. It's uh, Like I said, it's uh, summertime. So our schedule is not going to be as hectic as it usually is. Uh, I'm getting a lot of, you know, time off here that I want to get out and do things and everything. So I hope you're going to have a great summer and I hope we all can can do that. Now, I I know I shouldn't say you're going to have a great summer because uh, we have a lot of listeners in different uh, countries around the world and they're they're in the winter too. So, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Australia, you guys down there, we get a lot of people listening from down there and uh, we thank you for that and uh, all over the world. So uh, if you uh, want to get in touch with me, you can send me an email at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And uh, you can also check us out on Instagram. We do a lot of stuff putting up there. And we're uh, trying to keep up with uh, Facebook and also um, Twitter. (laughs) So we're doing all those things. And we hope you can check us out somewhere. And you can get in touch with me at those places too. Well, that's it. That's a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. So until next time, when do we once again take you on screen and beyond? I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.